time for our culture analysis. Uh, do these people have anything in common? Bruno Mars, Taylor Swift, Psy, and the athletes of the Tottenham Hotspurs. Well, not quite, but tickets to see them in person is near impossible to snag. Minutes after official concert event tickets go on sale, it's sold out. It raises speculation about means of cheating the system to get your hands on those exclusive tickets. So what's happening with these resale tickets anyway? We're joined by our culture critic Isaac Kim for a deep dive into the topic. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning. Have you ever purchased resale tickets before? Oh, yes. Actually, yeah. I did. But actually, recently, I haven't. And um, you know what? It's because it, it just the thought of it now kind of triggers me. It's like stressful because, okay, you know, you can buy a ticket. You can find it online here and there. But at the same time, you know, what if the tickets aren't legit? You know, what mm. if the tickets are counterfeit? What if they're, you know, mm. you know, what if they're just like, somebody forged them or something i don't know it's just the stress of it um mm -hmm. so i per totally prefer just you know watching it um mm -hmm. online or um on television or something. <laughs> the, the safe and proven way to ensure that yeah. you have an enjoyable concert or event experience. And and you're not the only one because when Bruno Mars was here just a few months back, I mean, these tickets were impossible to snag. For one, it was reserved for a certain credit card user. Even that was coveted. And uh, the, the, the car that was actually, the credit card company that was in charge of the concert actually made a statement saying that if you bought it secondhand through any of these recent means we won't let you in so you're right it doesn't sit comfortably even if you pay a large sum to get those exclusive tickets so let's start out here in seoul while resale tickets for concerts and musicals average two to three times the original price according to a detailed report there are also really extreme examples namely uh, bruno mars concert spot at six times the original price where are people actually accessing these retails uh resale tickets not at retail value and uh, is it legitimate, right? Well, okay. So you you know that statement that the credit card company made about yeah. um, they're not gonna they're gonna cancel tickets. That's actually legally possible for them to do mm -hmm. if they find you and they catch you. Um, now, now because of that, uh, that's again that anxiety is what I'm talking about. But now I do have friends that went to that Bruno Mars concert mm -hmm. and they were not able to get it through the legitimate means. You know, mm -hmm. like um, I believe like. You know, Inner Park is one of the bigger sites that people always go to. Mm. But, you know, those are that's the site where like um, one of the sites where all the tickets are just sold out in the first like 30 seconds, 90 yeah. seconds. Fans if are trying to break can world log records. On. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't exactly. even log on. I tried the legitimate way. My waiting number was about 60,000, which increased to 100,000. So you tell me. And I believe like Korea is like the most wired country with the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the most technologically advanced infrastructure. Mm. And we're having struggle buying these tickets. So um, but, you know, people are being able to buy them through secondary markets and social media. Even, you know, people are finding it on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, they're finding it on Tangun. You know, mm. um, they're finding it on Chungonara. They're finding it anywhere where people are doing some sort of commerce. And I believe, you know, um, many years ago when when Craigslist was a thing as well, like a lot of people were on there, like there was everywhere and anywhere you could find it. People were trying to scalp these tickets. Mm. Now, the problem is um, yeah, there is that risk that, you know, sometimes they're fake, sometimes they're real. But even if they're real, the official party, you know, the venue or the artist, they could actually cancel them mm. if you didn't buy proper tickets. Mm. Fortunately, um, the people that I did know that um, many people who went to especially that Bruno Mars concert, they, you know, were able to get the tickets. They were happy paying more because they're great big fans of it. And 
they did not get the tickets confiscated. So they had a great time at the concert. So all ended well. But um, <laughs> for them, but you know, for me as a, as a side uh, on the sideline, I was thinking, wow, this is the kind of struggles that uh, fans have to go through. Mm. And I'm sure the artists don't want to do that. You know, this is not something. This is not part of the experience that um, the artists prepare for mm. their fans when they. You know, they plan these um, tours, you know, years and months and mm-hmm. weeks and um, in advance. And they're ultimately it's that interaction um, as close as a fan can get to right. uh, an artist. OK, so it was not designed to be part of the experience. Um, that's actually a really good point you raise. What do the artists want? I mean, that's who we're there to see. Now, here's another touchy subject um, to get a ticket to Taylor Swift's era's tour comparable maybe to even Beyonce when she kind of broke the internet when she yeah. tried to make a comeback with her tour. Uh, it's similar, but I guess because the Taylor Swift Irish tour is still ongoing, this still remains a relevant topic. Uh, it had one point sparked a conversation about even overhauling one of the most trusted, most traded ticket sales website, Ticketmaster. So can we review what happened? And wh- I mean, what was proposed? How can you overhaul Ticketmaster? Okay, so uh, one of the biggest criticisms of the Taylor Swift's Eras Tour in the United States was that it was basically a monopoly um, held by Ticketmaster being the only place you could get the tickets, right? Mm. Um, Obviously, there were, uh, you know, there were other options, but uh, because of the the scale and the the influence of Ticketmaster being, you know, the most trusted brand in the ticket sales, Mm. um, and then the fact that they wanted to have an exclusive, you know, offering because taylor swift is such a huge artist right so that was kind of a a, a u.s uh tour criticism is like hey it's like a monopoly man you guys are this is Mm -hmm. not helping anybody um it's it's creating this like bottleneck uh in 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 the whole infrastructure and it it raises questions about not just price competitiveness if it had you know if there's offers on a different website um a a fair competition it might make it better or cheaper for the fans who want access so i mean that's the biggest criticism about monopoly but right but in the but in the european tour right so uh the european tour it was also a mess but this time uh, there were actually five official vendors so not including Ticketmaster. So this monopoly claim, um, you know, criticism is, was obviously, you know, not not the whole shebang. You know, um, <laughs> there were so many vendors that, and and you know, they had they had access to the bulk amounts of tickets, and there was a mix up in the coordination of like people mm. buying tickets from this vendor, thinking they're getting ticket A one, right? Seat A one, but then A one was sold by another vendor uh, in a different uh, something like that, like so. The coordination seemed very uh, lacking, and um, the fans who were were not able to get it. Some fans, the lucky ones, didn't even get to, didn't even get to log into the site. You know, like sometimes they, some fans got to the site. You know, they got their ticket, and then during checkout, like that disappointment was even greater. Some mm-hmm. people were not even able to log in to get that disappointment. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm being sarcastic about the <laughs> the lucky fans, but you know, this. And then even later, the secondary sites where. Um, these tickets were being sold, which are, are it's not illegal. Um, mm-hmm. It is happening. And um, oftentimes uh, it is done with the approval of the artist. Mm-hmm. And um, so even at the secondary sites, that's where the criticism of the whole scalping, you know, industry uh, is still relevant. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the, one of the things that they, you know, um, that really kind of helped was the pre-sale codes, like uh, true fans of Taylor's uh, previous album had codes mm-hmm. uh access codes that they could log in when they log in and use to make sure that they kind of get a ticket, right? So like they get like early access and a certain level of guarantee. 
Kind of, yes. And it's like, a, it's like you know, instead of going to, um, you know, going to a store and like standing in line and like when someone has to go to the bathroom and come back, you lose your spot. Everyone's getting a little number, right? You got a number, <laughs> means I'm here. It gives you a little bit of security, a sense mm. of, um, you know. Uh, Peace, uh, that you'll get the Tay-Tay tickets. <laughs> yeah. And even with that, actually, uh, there was a lot of people that were facing problems with it. So um, it could be infrastructure-wise. It could be... Um, it could be because of the digital, the lacking of the digital hardware. It could be a software issue. Mm. There's so many things. But um, the point is that the the criticism that sparked with the U.S. tour mm. was, uh, was not completely solved. And mm. uh, there's still a lot of room, a lot more criticism, different criticism have come up. So... Uh, this is not an easy problem to uproot. No, it's really not. And, and that's maybe the point of the discussion. We think that if we do it a different way, uh, try five different websites as opposed to one, uh, maybe this will be more fair. And uh, the website is, since it's divided between five different platforms, less prone to crash. It's not true, it turns out. When there's enough people trying to log on at the same time, it can actually cause even traffic confusion, as you've said. It yeah. is deemed largely profitable to buy coveted concert tickets and resell on related platforms. Some are not even Bruno Mars or Taylor Swift fans or any of the K-pop groups, a big fans, uh, but they want to snack the tickets so they can profit off of it. Industry experts say it may be difficult to actually uproot this practice, as you've also alluded to, but they have also cried foul on the use of automated systems on high-performing computers to buy these tickets in bulk. So we call it macro, right? What's been happening and what's the problem with this? So if you look at some of the cases of the people who actually got caught um, for, um, you know, actually region by region, the rules are different. So um, you can't put them all under one umbrella. But, for example, there was a person in the UK who got caught um, uh, doing this kind of reselling tickets for an in, Adele concert. OK, but and, in bulks, uh, right? In bulks, right. And, um, you know, this is one person doing it and like profited like 52,000, you know, you know, thousand uh, dollars. And it's a pretty good payday for one person. Mm. But the way that they're able to do that, uh, whereas before, you know, people were able to buy like one ticket. You know, I got my ticket and then I put it on, uh, I put it on, you know, uh, eBay or on social media and be like, hey, um, who wants my ticket? You know, uh, I'll charge you double. And, you know, if it's a hundred dollar ticket, a super fan might be like two hundred dollars. Well, worth it. And then you have a very happy transaction. Mm. But then you scale that. And you have a person be like, okay, I, you know, buy a thousand hundred dollar tickets. And then the fact that they can buy that, buy hundred of those tickets right. um, is only possible through the advancement of the technology that we have at our fingertips. So whether, um, and everybody knows when you go to a website, you know, it takes time to fill out those forms. Mm. It takes time to, you know, pick this out. But, you know, people who are doing this, they're using, the macros that they're using are uh, also called bots, mm. you know, like. They're basically, it's almost like uh, the, the simplicity of copy and paste, but you don't even have to push copy, you know, control V, control C, control V. It does know? it for you in a single algorithm. Okay, right. okay. And it does it at like in seconds, in like milliseconds. So that, you know, that's why concerts are sold out in like 90 seconds. Or, <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen concerts being sold out in less than a minute. Like, it's just ridiculous. And it's like human, human beings' fingers can't move that fast. Oh, you it's, don't say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for the Flash. Who, yeah. You know what's funny, Isaac? It was just maybe even a few years back, if our, my memory serves me correctly. I mean, in the entertainment industry, we like to make a headline out of it. I mean, for example, I don't want to single him out, but his concerts are 
are wildly popular. Size, a summer oh, concert yes. sells out in minutes, and it was a big thing. But now we're raising speculation. If it's really happening in a matter of seconds, it's it's not about just a popularity. Of course, it's highly in demand. It's no longer a proper headline. It's the computers doing the work for us in an instant. Now we've uh, we've pinpointed the problem. We understand the problem. The big question is, of course, and the tough question is. Where and how do we begin fixing it? It is a free market after all. Can the fair trade commissions come in and say for our country, this isn't appropriate. Ticketmaster, you have a monopoly. Of course, they run investigations, but what were the grounds for them to intervene? And how transparent is the pricing and distributing system as we speak now? Yeah, you know, I said earlier, it depends by region. Um, so for for nowadays, you can buy tickets. Uh, when you buy tickets, you can buy packages. Sometimes, like mm-hmm. VIP package includes your seat, includes uh, you know, gift uh, package, it includes backstage access. Sometimes, depending on whatever the artists, you know, because artists when they do these you know offline concerts, they're mm-hmm. they're doing it to try to, um, you know, everyone is doing it and making money. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're necessarily doing it. F- they don't have to be even doing it for the money because. This is like, you know, they can they could probably make more money comfortably at home streaming uh, or selling <laughs> sure. selling downloads. It's a lot of work for these artists to go to these concerts and do it. But when they do do that, it, they know that the payoff, the mm-hmm. the the added value that the fans get is what is making it worthwhile for them. So they add these kind of bundles. Right. 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 Um, what you can do is uh, one of the things that the criticism in the UK tour was that people didn't know uh, what bundles were even available until like after they picked their tickets and right before they had to pay. Mm. So, uh, um, and then this is all when, while the website is crashing and they're continually, you know, renewing, uh, refreshing, you know. <laughs> um, and so the transparency, I think, is uh, still a cultural kind of problem in okay. the ticketing industry where people don't know, sometimes you don't know exactly what dates or mm. what cities are because, mm. you know, information does get teased. It gets trickled out, you know. And when it does get out, then sometimes you don't know the exact pricing. So when you go online and you want to get the secondary tickets, you mm-hmm. don't even know, oh, $200 ticket, like, that sounds like a great deal. If it was a frontline ticket, yeah. But if it's like a backseat, you know, nosebleed section, <laughs> which was a $20 ticket sold for 200 you wouldn't know that, right? So um, information uh, transparency, I think, is a big uh, thing that could really help. And, you know, the one, the last thing that, I, if anything, is that, Right now, I think the, the philosophy in this kind of ticketing industry has been to have like a centralized control mm. of this process because then you would have, you know, whether it's the artist, the venue, the distributors, you know, people, the promoters, who are those people who know, you know, what's going on and they can have better control of it so that everyone has a good experience. Mm. But as this scales to become like a global event where, you know, people are flying in from different countries um, to go to these events, you know, um, sometimes uh, the centralized, we can see the bottleneck and the problem. Mm. So maybe a digital, you know, like currently, you know, uh, another subject we can go into for another time, but like decentralized <laughs> controls, you know, such as like what people are planning with Web3 and blockchain and NFTs. These are things that technologies that have the potential to kind of fix um, some of these problems. Okay, so I mean, maybe we're circling back to the beginning of the conversation. You mentioned the reason why you no longer resort to the second-hand uh, resale tickets is this anxiety while you wait eagerly for that concert or event. Is this legitimate or is it not? But like you said, even if we decentralize and if we we can use these technology to ensure the legitimacy of the tickets are intact, right? We can use blockchain, we can use NFTs to ensure that that one and only one ticket is 
<laughs> is the legitimate one being traded online for more money, for less? That's yeah. that's an entirely different topic, it turns out. Right. But it, this is a tech, you know, a lot of the problem is technological. So I think that the solution has to also be technological. Mm. The people, the people that are in the mix, the fans and the artists, they, they haven't changed. You know, the artists <laughs> want to perform. The fans want to go see the technology. These bots have kind of, you know, ruined a lot of this experience. And mm. so maybe we need smarter bots. Ah, outsmart tech with our own tech. You can utilize it for good and make this transaction it. fair and a trustable experience for both the artists and the fans. Thank you so much, Isaac, for an insightful conversation. We'll see you soon. Have a good one. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.